All right, we're there. So as I was praying and, and I was thinking about Father's Day, and, and I said, oh, we're already in this passage, so I really don't have to search for anything. But then as I was praying last night, the story came across. And in the Old Testament, there's this story about David and Goliath. We all know that story, right? We all know the story how David took this stone. But in 1 Samuel, it goes a little like this. So David and his three brothers are fighting the Philistines. And the Philistines are this great and massive army. Men look like giants. So think of like a bunch of uh, Kevin Durant's and Anthony Davis's. We're going around trying to fight, trying to fight a bunch of spud webs around. So they're saying that Israel's are saying we're just these small people and every time. And then this Philistine, he goes like this Goliath. He says, hey, we don't even need to kill everyone. Just give me your greatest warrior and I will smite him and he will he will fall and you guys will be our slaves forever. And they're like, no, they're, they're terrified. Nobody is stepping up. And Israel say, hey, I'm going to be this great and mighty warrior. I'm going to be this great and mighty warrior. Then one of the, one of the, in the tribes of Bethlehem, Jesse sends his son. He says, hey, David, come from watching these sheep. Go bring your brother some food. Go bring him some rations and take the general army this cheese. He loves this cheese. So bring him this cheese for me. So, so they'd be blessed in the middle of this time of war. So he goes and takes these things. He's asking people. He's, he's like, hey, what's happening here? Why are we still fighting? Like, what's going on? And then they're like telling him about Goliath. And they said that King Saul said, anyone, anyone who beats Goliath will be able to marry Saul's daughter and be in nobility. And David's like, man, I'm a sheep boy. And he's asking, his brother gets mad at him. His brother says, why are you asking all these questions? Get out of here, you little kid. This is, this is, you're you. This is for men. This is what men do. And David says, hey, don't, I'm just asking questions. All I'm doing is, is trying to figure out what's going on, what's happening. And then King Saul overhears that this kid is asking this question. But David is like responding to everybody. He said, who can fight the Lord's army? There's no one that can defeat the Lord. Like we sung that song, there's no one that can defeat the Lord. King Saul says, man, who is this kid? And he says, hey, will you be our warrior? He asked this kid, will you be our warrior? And he says, yes. He says, all right. Put on my armor. So David's trying to put on his armor, and it doesn't fit him. It doesn't fit him at all because he's not the same stature as Saul. So he takes this stuff out, and all he has is a satchel and a slingshot, and he picks up these smooth stones from the river. And as soon as he steps out, Goliath says, who have you sent me? Who is this person? Who has you sent me? And David says, I come with the Lord armies. And he puts a sling, a stone in a sling, and he, he wraps it up, and he gets it going, and he hits David right in the middle of the head. And then you know what he does? He knocks him down. Goliath falls face flat. David takes the sword out of his sheath, cuts his head off. This youth cuts his head off, and everybody's like cheering. He won the battle. Everything is happening. Then all of a sudden, Saul says this great thing. He says this thing. I just noticed it. I've been hearing this story my whole life. He just says this. He says this question. Whose son is that? I was like, whoa. Saul spoke with him, gave him his armor. Now he don't want the battle. He says, whose son is this? 
And as we talk about being yielded with the Holy Spirit, and we talk about Father's Day, we talk about the big idea. We are sons and daughters of God. Whose son is that? I just think about this story. This young man who fought all these battles in his life. All of a sudden, he fights this one battle. And people ask, whose son is that? He said, I'm the son of Jesse of Bethlehem. But he really is, he, he is the son of God. David did something great and mighty. So we're going to be in uh, Romans 8, 9 through 17. Our key verses is Romans 8 through 15. I want you to ask yourself that. As you're thinking about this, whose daughter am I? Whose son are you? Because when the Bible says son and daughter, it's not it's not to mean it's not to mean a, a gender. It means something different, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I love this. I love this portion of scripture, and I think I already put it in my PowerPoint. So, so we're going to be in Romans Romans eight verse nine. And we remember last week we were talking about how we're not in the flesh. We are in the spirit. And when we become yielded, like we all pass, I passed a lot of yield signs this week. When we become yielded, we, we lift up our hands and we say, hey, I'm not in control, but the Holy Spirit's in control. And I'm yielding to his power today. And so, so verse 9 goes back into that. It says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So if you know that you you don't belong to Jesus and you belong to all these other things that are around you, it says, hey, you don't belong to him. And now if, if Christ is in you, but if Christ is in you, the body is dead of sin. So that means if Christ is in you, that sin can no longer condemn you and you cannot feel guilty about the things that are going on in your life. You can have the redemption of the forgiveness of sins. If you're in Christ, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness, like it's not because the spirit wants to give life because you're a good person. The spirit gives life because God is righteous. He gives life because he's righteous. He doesn't give life because that's who he is. Like, it's not because of what you've done. Be like, hey, I've asked for forgiveness, so I, be, I, I need to be righteous. No, the spirit gives life because his purpose is to give righteousness. Is purpose. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal body to life through his spirit who lives in you. So don't worry about where you're going. Don't worry because if he lives in you, he's going to raise you from the dead just like he raised Christ. I mean, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> as we're talking about it, let us know that this life that we're leaving, this living, that as the spirit moves in us and as things happen, as we start to see life around us start to come to full close, we know we kind of think, oh, man, I got to do everything I need right now or I'm not in the right place. I remember looking at all my friends when I was like 27 and seeing their whole life being perfect <laughs> and seeing they got these great jobs. I had one friend who owned his own tech company. When I was 27, and he had his own office, and I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, looking at all these things, and I look at it, and he just, and he, he, just, he just got an intern job and learned all these things. And I just remember, like, looking at it, like, man, what is my life worth? <laughs> like, I'm not doing anything with my life. 
And then God just says, he just, he just snatched me out of that place in that position. It gave me such purpose that when I look back at that, I'll be like, well, he has a lot of things, but he doesn't have what Jesus gave me. He doesn't have redemption. And man, he always talks about, uh, he, he, uh, his name is Jim and Jim was, uh, is a great person, but he always talks about how he needs God in his life. Though he has all this money, he has his tech company, he always needs that. And so then the verse goes on. So then brothers and sisters who are not obligated to the flesh to live, a, listen to that. We're not obligated to these thoughts and these mindsets and these perspectives to live according to the flesh. Like we're not obligated to it. I love that. Like, I, I don't make a lot of commitments. Like when people call me for telemarketing or they want to do something, they say, hey, if you could commit to like this. I don't want to do that. I'm not obligated to that. <laughs> I'm not obligated to answer the phone call. I got voicemail. I love it. I'm not obligated to things of the flesh. You're not obligated to sin. You're not obligated to live like other people live. You're not obligated to live that way. You are actually, you actually don't have to live according to the flesh. The Bible is saying that. Because if you live according to flesh, you're going to die. We know that. Like, I remember, like, when I lived according to the flesh, my life was always in danger. I was always fearful of what's about to happen to me. And in this word, he's saying right here, I'm not obligated to that. But he says this. He says, but if by the spirit you put death, the deeds of the body, you will live. So if you give up everything in this world. You give up every circumstance, every situation, you're going to live. For those led by God's spirit, those who are yielded to the Holy Spirit are God's sons. And then he says this, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. So often, I just remember those, we get thoughts, we get circumstances, we get situations that bring us back to where we were before we knew who Jesus was. And the Bible is saying right here, right now, you do not feel, you don't have to feel obligated, first of all. Second of all, you're not condemned by these things. And third of all, if you believe in Jesus and you have a relationship with him, you don't have to go back into that spirit of fear, but you can instead receive, I love this, the spirit of adoption by we receive Abba Father. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit, that we are God's children. You are God's son and daughter. If you are yielding to the Holy Spirit, the only way you can yield to the Holy Spirit is that you have a relationship with Jesus. And when you do that, you are testifying to everyone around you that you belong to God and you are his son and daughter. And if children, you're also heirs. Oh my goodness, I have nothing to look forward for my dad. Like my dad is selling his house right now. That was like my only nest egg. In New Jersey. Like, if there was anything that I was looking to air from my father, it's gone. It's probably been spent up. I probably got the last of it. I remember he told me, uh, he said, oh, I sent you $1,000 in Bible college. That was like your inheritance. Like, that was my inheritance. Like, I was no heir. But he says this, we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Can you believe that? If God created Christ to be supreme over everything, we don't, we don't just have we don't just are saved by him and become lords by him, but when we and when we join him, we are co. I don't. We are co. We're together. We're like one company. 
Like, it's not that we're separate companies. I love that. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I want to be like Jesus. <laughs> not only do I want to be like Jesus in image and body, I want to be like Jesus in, in inheritance. I want to inherit what Jesus inherited. But he says if you do that, indeed, we suffer with him. See, I love this point. We are adopted. And, and adoption, I say to people, I believe adoption is the greatest expression of the gospel. When somebody is adopted, we see we see something happen. And what happens when we're adopted, or what, what happens in, in the meaning of the cultural context of Roman 8? So adoption that we believe in right now is not the same adoption that was going on when Paul was, was talking about we are adopted as kids of God. So I have this transforming thought. Like I want, if you got pen and paper or you got your phone out, just, just put this transforming thought, this thought all week. I want you to think about this. If we are sons, we are also heirs by adoption. If you're a son and daughter of God, you are also an heir by adoption. You're also an heir. So, Ron, I think we go to that next slide. This is what adoption means. In the Roman world of the first century A.D., an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate his name and inherit his state. I'm going to just stop it right there. If you're a son and daughter of God, you were deliberately chosen by God to be in his family. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't that you just happened into this relationship. You were deliberately chosen. And then not only were you chosen just to be chosen, you were chosen to perpetuate the name of God. You perpetuate this, this inherited, and you inherited his state. And then I love this. He was no whit inferior in status to a sunborn in the ordinary course of nature. That means if you right here today say you're a son and daughter of God, that doesn't mean you have to do anything to prove to anyone else that you are a son and daughter of God, you have the same rights as somebody who was who would have been born. The same exact rights. You don't have to you don't have to work up any rights. Like there has to be no competition. You don't have to fight in a in a death match to be to be accepted into a family. God is saying right now, I'm, you're going to perpetuate my name because you're adopted son of God. You inherit everything that I have. Every single, every single possession that I have, I'm going to give it to you. And guess what? If you have a sibling, they get the same exact thing you have. There's nothing more. There's nothing less. That's beautiful to me. When we become sons and daughters of God, we become heirs of something that we, we would have no longer, we would have not even had. First, eternal life. We get eternal life like Jesus. Then we not only do we get the blessings that come from that eternal life, we get the blessings that can happen on this side of heaven. And then it says this under Roman adoption, the life and standing of the adopted child changed completely. Completely. Like they had to give up their old life to be able to accept the new adoption. Like the adopted son lost all rights in his old family. So if you were from a poor family or you were from another kingdom and you were adopted and sired into the Roman kingdom, that means everything that that family had, you didn't have no longer. 
you were like, okay, I'm done with that. I'm done with the garbage. <laughs> I'm done with disruption. I'm done with the dysfunction. But now I'm in this new family that has light, that has beauty, that has opportunity, that has ways of me living better, thinking better, talking better, and all those things are gone. It says it was completely wiped out without even the debts were canceled. If I owe something to anyone in this family, it's done. One of the biggest things of slavery in India is that when your father dies, you inherit his, his debt. God is saying you no longer inherit anyone's debt. You become totally debt-free. Totally debt-free when you walk into the kingdom of God. And with nothing from your past counting you. Oh, my goodness. Nothing. As we look today and we look at what it means to be adopted as sons and daughters of God, we can look at our past. And none of it, none of it have any validity. None of it have any credibility on us. Like somebody could say, oh, I know that. No, you don't. I'm an adopted son of God. I'm a transforming thought. I'm a son and daughter of God. I don't know what you believe, but I believe he adopted me. And as he adopted me, things changed completely. I'm not the same any longer. And being a child of God also means you have an inheritance. Like I remember wanting to go to college as an 18-year-old kid. And I said, Mom, do I have a college fund? She laughed. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, so we don't have college funds. I was thinking because we were living in a fluent neighborhood, everybody else had college funds. And everybody else had things. And she was like, oh, no, we're just we're just making it, Carl. <laughs> All right. So you're going to have to get a job or you're going to have to wait till you're 26 to go to college where the government will say I'm no longer I have to pay for college. And this is the same thing that happened in Luke 18. The young rich ruler went to Jesus. And he said to Jesus, he said, hey, how do I enter the kingdom of God? He's not ready. And then Jesus tells him, well. You have to leave everything behind, everything that you want to hear and come into the kingdom of God. He was like, no way. He said, Jesus, I love you. I love what you're doing. It's a good racket you got going on here. I like your disciples. But uh, this inheritance thing is good to me. I don't know if I can stop being rich. And, and no, but the rich young ruler missed the point. Because of his inheritance, it's not a matter of doing is a matter of being. See, when we're adopted as sons of God, it's about being his son. Not about doing things to earn his to earn his favor. It's about we already have it today. If Christ is in you, you already have the inheritance. You're already walking in inheritance. You just have to get rid of the old inheritance. You have to get rid of the old family and say, all right, I don't want that family anymore, that disruptive, dysfunctional, like, like, I remember uh, when me and my wife were getting married, my mom is a mess. I love her. She's a mess. Like, my mom's been married like three times, so she knows how marriage rehearsals are supposed to go, I expect. So she told us how our marriage proposal was supposed to go. Then we got, <laughs> so I got a lady who's leading and telling us about the, the marriage. Then I got the marriage, the marriage uh, what do they call the ladies that? schedule your marriage that know all that i don't know that stuff so whatever she is so she's over here 
There's it's over here. Melly's mom is sitting right there, and my mom is actually standing right there, and that's all the whole time. And the woman's like, "Oh, you guys stand here." And my mom's like, "No, you stand right here." And like every move that this lady made, my mom was like adjusting it, like every single time. And and then the other lady was like, "All right, hallelujah." She was really Christian. She was like, "All right, hallelujah." And everything that she was saying, my mom was she said, "All right, hallelujah." And everything. So we heard like, "All right, hallelujah," like a hundred times. And it was like starting to get comical to me. And then comical to Melody's brother. And Melody was like not having it. She was like, this is horrible, Carl. Like, this is what I'm inheriting right here. I'm inheriting this. And I'm just cracking up. I'm like, uh, yeah, this is what you're getting. And I'm just having a good old time, just cracking up. And, and, then, and then as we're talking about this, uh, Melody is upset. Then my brother like has to pull my mama said, and said, this is not your wedding. This is Carl's wedding. And it just clicked to her. And she's like, okay. The, it wasn't, it was, it was really interesting to see what we inherit right before we get married. <laughs> These are the things that we inherit. And it, it mattered about being in the right family. And so as, as Melanie was, was, was seeing my mom for the very first time, like in her element, and as I was, I was seeing Melanie's reaction to it in the element, I was just remembering like these things that was just going on in my head. Was like, man, I'm in the right family. <laughs> like, I can give up like what my parents thought. And I remember Bella was like, man, do you have to deal with that like all the time? She would say stuff all the time. I say, yeah, that's my mom. But guess what? I'm not obligated to that. She would tell my wife all kind of things, and my wife would bring it back to me. I say, I'm not obligated to that. <laughs> I live for Jesus now. I took it so seriously. I'm adopted in this family. I'm not obligated to what she's saying right now. I'm not obligated to what the past had. I said that was the past. This is the, this is where I'm at right now with God. I'm in I'm in a dedicated Christian a covenantal marriage. <laughs> I'm living for Christ in the fullest. I'm doing what God has called me to do. I am in a new family. I'm literally living out the gospel in the way that God intended me to live it out, and it doesn't matter. What my old family has said, that is such a hard place to be. Like, it's, it, it takes a while to get it. But God is saying today, if, if you're a father, and if you, if you are a father, or you're a child, and you, and you're a son, it doesn't matter who your father was or what he's done. You inherit something new when you come into Christ. New person perspective. I mean, new thought process. You may become a straight genius. When you give your life over to Jesus, you don't inherit the bad decisions that your parents made, the dysfunction. I remember going, when we go to weddings, we always see dysfunction in family. I went to one wedding and the mom cried because she didn't want her daughter to marry the guy the whole time. You don't have to marry into that dysfunction anymore. God wants you to inherit something so beautiful, something so amazing, something that you wouldn't even dare to see an adventure in life as you become a son and daughter of God. And that happens because of Romans 8.15. Because you didn't receive a spirit of fear. You have to fear what people are going to say. You don't have to have them draw you back into these, these bad ideologies. These bad thought processes. 
You don't have to fall back into fear to what they're going to be doing or thinking about you or how they're going to be judging your lifestyle or how they're going to be judging the way you live. Because you received the full spirit of adoption. Where when they say something, you can say, Abba Father. <laughs> you can say, Abba Father. You could cry out to him and be like, all right, they're really dysfunctional right now. Abba Father. Abba Father. And then it will testify that you are a son and daughter of God. Marlon's going to that next slide. Keep going. Oh, I don't know what happened here. All right, keep going. All right. Keep going. All right. In the Bible, it talks about there's two families that you could be a part of. Just be real. One family they say is the family of the devil. You can actually be a son of the devil. Or you could be the son of God. And today you have the opportunity to think about how you're going to be either or. Today you can make that decision where you can actually be a son of God or you can be a son of the devil. I'm going to just be real. I lived as a son of the devil and it sucked. He doesn't give you anything. He lies to you all the time. Tells you he's going to give you empty promises. You live off that empty promise and you wait for another empty promise and he keeps giving you more empty promises and then there's more dysfunction. Next thing you look at, next thing you see, is a life not lived. <laughs> then I remember I found that I found out that I could be a son of God. When I became his son, my whole life changed. My whole demeanor changed. I remember that when I literally gave my life to Jesus, like I felt like there was a click on in my brain. Like I could use both sides. <laughs> and there was creativity. There was leadership. There were skills and abilities, and I became a son of God, and I got this inheritance of knowledge and wisdom that I never had before. And I started to see something different. And today, I believe that can happen for you. So if you're today here, we're going to be moving into communion. If you're here today, and you're like, man, I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. Neither did I. I didn't have a good relationship with, with, with my grandfather or my dad. There was nobody there in my family that could teach me how to do this, Pastor Carl. I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to be a father. I don't even know how to accept a good father. But today, you don't have to accept a good father. You already have a great father. If you believe in Jesus, Jesus says that God is the great father. And as we start to do communion and as the elders pass it out, just want you to think about how good God has been to you. How forgiving he has been. How much mercy he's always had for you. How he's always been there when nobody else has been there. How he's always showed up when everybody else has always failed to be there. How many promises he kept. How many promises has he broken? How many promises has he lived out? And he said, the only way 
that we could be a part of his family was through the redemption of the blood of Jesus. The only way was for Jesus to suffer for us so that we can be sons and daughters of God. I think this is the most beautiful part of the gospel. That not only did Jesus die so we could be Lord and Savior, but Jesus died so that we could be sons and daughters. So as you're taking communion, just think about how good God is. Father, as we take this cup, we ask you right now that you would show yourself. You would reveal to us, God, how much we need you. We ask right now that you would step in the middle of our lives, God, and show us that you are better than a good father, but a great father. Everything that our father failed to do, God, you, God, will start to start to mend and redeem, God. You will redeem time and, and situations and, and circumstances. You will redeem places and, and people, God. You will start to speak to that. And God, as we take communion, God, we will see how broken we are. And as we're broken, God, we remember how your communion is redemption. So if anybody would like prayer, you can come down or and the next portion of fellowship, we can, we can meet. But I believe that God has something amazing today. In Jesus' name, amen.